0: Hey, folks, welcome to episode fifty eight of the FLW Podcast in Benton, Kentucky. I'm Jody White. Joining me from Hopkins, Minnesota is Kyle Wood. Kyle. What's going on, Jody? Doing? I'm doing good, man. I, uh, I'm doing pretty good too. I've, you know, it's been a pretty good week so far. Uh, not, you know, not, it's been busy, but it hasn't been crazy busy. And I'm looking forward to taking next week off and going home and, uh, fishing the tournament on Candlewood on Sunday. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. But before we, before we go ahead, before we talk about, uh, what's going on with us? And before we get into the rest of the episode, I want to go ahead and preview it a little bit. Ah, uh, good um, call. We'll uh, we'll talk about the week that was for us, um, and then we'll interview Alex Davis. Uh, we just did that interview; it is phenomenal. Uh, I think. <laughs> <We're gonna laughs> I agree. It's a really good interview. We're going to talk Colorado. We're going to talk umbrella rigs. You name it; we probably cover it. Uh, we'll get a They're great joke. Pick. What's that? I said that's no joke. <laughs> that's for sure. We'll uh, get a great tip of the week from Alex, then we'll move into the news. We've got uh, some ranger news to talk about, we've got some actual tournament fishing to talk about coming up.
1: It's on the uh, we've, got a,
0: we've got a few other sponsorship pieces, and uh, then we'll, uh, we'll do one or two other things, and uh, then we'll get out of here and leave you guys to have a hopefully wonderful holidays and New Year's and all that stuff um i guess that said kyle uh how was your weekend
2: uh it was uh it was pretty good i didn't really do anything uh just kind of cleaned up some stuff around the house i did not go ice fishing i actually wasn't feeling that well so i kind of took it easy and uh and like i said just kind of hung around made sure the puppy stayed in line and um I got got some ice fishing tackle organized. I guess I did do something on the fishing front. I got I finally got my some new ice tackle. I got some of that added into the arsenal, and now I'm ready to go drill a bunch of holes in the ice over over break.
0: All right. Well, so a new puppy status here. You've got you've got Sue's. She is I assume doing pretty well right now. What's what's up yeah, like with Suze? How she's, How's her uh, like, training coming along? All that stuff.
2: Uh, she's doing pretty good. We we haven't. Uh, we haven't done a whole lot, but she's you know, sit, come, um, kennel command, and then another command that you use a lot, uh waterfowl hunting is the place command. Been working on that. Um she's doing really well. She's almost three or she's almost 12 weeks old. So what's that, three months? She'll be sure. she'll be 12 weeks old on uh Saturday, I believe. So other than that, she's just being a puppy. I mean, she's trying to chew on everything she can get her mouth on. I mean, Christmas tree. Ornaments, presents under the tree, socks, chairs. I mean, you name it, she's pretty much trying to destroy it.
0: All right. Um, What is, what's the place command? Because I've never heard of it before.
2: Uh, Place is basically used, it's like a, so kennel is into something. Um, Place is onto, so getting on the front of the duck boat place that's kind of like her zone you tell her place she gets there uh if you're hunting like in a marsh um there's dog stands you can bring out there to give them a nice solid base to stand on that would be like a place command um i don't know you could use it like if i want her to get up on the couch you know i could tell her place it's just basically get onto something is the general meaning of that
0: okay i had no idea so i wanted to clear that up yeah Um,
2: yeah no it was good for asking
0: yeah i mean i i assume uh Guys like, you know, Larry Nixon and Scott Suggs have the place command dialed in, but it wasn't in my vocabulary prior to this.
2: not a lot of people use it either. Some people just use kennel for everything, but, I don't know, I kind of like to have the differentiation of the, of between onto something and into something.
0: Okay, good stuff. Yeah. Well, in the same way, like, you had sort of a low-key, not-much-happening weekend. I mean, I had a not-much-happening weekend where I fished two days in a row Uh, I tested out the Big Humble a little bit, um, but man, I am terrible at fishing. Uh, (laughs) because everybody in the world lit them up on Kentucky Lake this weekend. Like, there were multiple, there was at least one 10-pounder caught. There were multiple, uh, 24-pound plus bags, well, let's say 23-pound plus bags caught. Um, and I just did terrible, so... (laughs) <laughs> I'm lost um, I'm a lost puppy out there but I'll figure it out eventually uh, I hope maybe yeah you'll, you'll, you'll get there um, so it was it was an interesting weekend from that perspective for me but the weather was pretty nice I mean it was it was warm-ish it wasn't super warm super nice but it wasn't too windy and
2: it was like 50 in Minnesota
0: it was like it was probably 50 here but it was foggy and just cloudy the whole time so oh, it never yeah. felt like 50 especially being out in the water um it was weird it was very odd weather um i mean it was never so foggy that visibility was impaired like it was dangerous to be out in the water but a lot of times if you were in the middle of the lake you couldn't see the other shores or you know definitely if you were on one side you couldn't see the other side and that was just yeah it
2: was that weird it was kind of a weird weekend. We had a lot of our snow melt and actually kind of switch gears for a moment. Uh, I couldn't get Joe to come in and tell this story, but he kind of had something uh, interesting happen to him over the weekend. I don't know. I should probably, I suppose we could talk about it, right? It's kind of,
0: I think it's kind of funny. But yeah. He seems a little ahead. freaked out. I there. want, I want to hear it. Let's put it that way.
2: <laughs> well, so Joe, um, you know, Last year, I guess, he's always kind of been into ice fishing. But, you know, it seemed like last year he, w- he was getting it a little more into it. Uh, you know, he got like a – he got a flasher so he can – you know, he's got good electronics now. He can mark fish. And so over the weekend when it was really warm, all of our snow melted that we had on the ice. And so there was probably about a good, I don't know, two inches of water standing on top of the ice, which, I mean, it's probably – How
0: much ice do you guys have, just as a point of reference?
2: Well – I would say average you're looking at, like, 10 to 12. It kind of depends on, on some places. Mille Lacs Lake, where Joe was going, um, there's about, yeah, 10 to 13 probably. More than enough to walk on, more than enough for a four-wheeler ride on. Uh, you know, small trucks you could drive out on with. Uh, so, anyway, Joe drives up by himself to Mille Lacs, all excited to go fishing. And he starts walking out. And he encounters a, uh, I guess he called it a big crack. I would consider it probably something of a pressure ridge where two sheets of ice kind of jammed together, and yep. overlapped over each other. Left, you know, there's some open water between them. Well, Joe's walking up to that. He tries to tries to step over it, and he falls in.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh so, my goodness,
2: Yo. So it's like 50 degrees outside, and Joe's sitting in there soaking wet. His sled that he was pulling his gear in. Is floating next to him, so he's trying to push that back out on the ice, and he finally gets himself pulled out of there, um, soaking wet. I mean, I couldn't imagine watching him flail around trying to get out because there's no snow and the ice, you know, it was about as slick as it could be.
0: Oh, for sure. And <laughs> and he had his little ice picks because you sh- you're supposed to have those when you go on the ice. Mom makes are. me bring those things out. You are. And he did not. Oh, nor Joe did he Joe. Nor did he tell
2: anyone where he was going, which I said, you know, that's two strikes, but
0: that's like going out in a boat without a life vest and a kill switch. You're asking yeah, for it.
2: Exactly. <laughs> but anyway, so he finally gets out and he he's so defeated he just turned around, and he walked down the pressure ridge for like I don't know how far he said, six, seven hundred feet. And jumped across it where it was actually like kinda solid, walked himself like an eighth a mile back to the car, loaded his stuff up, and went home. So he tried to get out and go fishing, but ultimately
0: <laughs> just
2: got really wet.
0: <laughs> Man. Well, you know what I probably would have done is, because I hate drilling holes, I probably would have started trying to fish that pressur- pressure ridge, because it sounds like if it was safe enough and the ice was thick enough around it, like, why not, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, was,
2: uh, I asked him, I was like, I don't know why he didn't just start drilling holes and fishing right there anyway. Like, a lot of times pressure ridges can be good places to hold fish but you know it was his first time falling through i had to give him a little bit of crap because i've fallen through the ice like three or four times um i mean it's never fun but you know it's kind of funny because a it's joe and b um he's just so unprepared no ice picks didn't tell anyone where he was going I got a pretty good chuckle out of that story, so I thought I'd share it with you. I I assume you never heard that, right? No, no,
0: (laughs) I did not hear that. I I will say, though, I've got a pair of ice picks that maybe I'll send them as a semi-joke slash semi-useful Christmas gift. Oh, you should totally do that. I'm not planning on needing those things really ever again. (laughs) Um, Although, to be honest, if the weather's right, I might go ice fishing over Christmas, so what do you know? Um, Maybe
2: maybe get a new pair.
0: Yeah. Well, I'd be ice fishing then with dad or with dad and mom, and you know oh, we'd bring a, a rope point. and something like that. So maybe then the ice picks become a little less necessary. <laughs> uh, but anyhow, let's uh, let's let's leave Joe's embarrassment behind us here. Um, we'll get away from our fishing and we'll go ahead. We'll talk to Alex Davis a little bit about his fishing. And now we're joined by Alex Davis. He's uh, just wrapped up his, or well, not really just, but. Recently wrapped up his second year on the FLW Tour. He finished 50th overall. He's moved up two years in a row now. Uh, it's mid-off season. He's a Gunnersville stick. He's been hanging out on Smith Lake a bunch recently. Alex, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing real good. I've been doing fine. We did a lot of fishing, a lot of hunting, so life couldn't be better right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, I saw some uh, some venison sausage pictures. Um
1: yeah, they look today, delicious, which... man. Yeah, they're going to be real tasty. Last year we did about 40 sticks of them. I think this morning we did probably about 20. So I'm looking forward to getting to eat some of them.
2: Woo. You going to bring some to uh,
1: Toho for us? I usually bring them to the first few tournaments, and then I kind of run out, and then tournaments get going. I don't have time to make any more. But there will be some when we go to Toho.
2: All right, I'll come track you down then.
1: That right, sounds good. You have yeah, to bring yeah. the cheese and the crackers, though.
2: Oh, absolutely! I got we, you. We Mark. can do that.
0: <laughs> 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 cool, good stuff. Well, Alex, I guess I don't know. The first question I had was, and this is an old question too, but what did you won an Everstart slash Rayovac on the Umbrella Rig? You were right in you. You had some formative experience when Paul Elias first won on the Umbrella Rig. And then we took the umbrella rig out of tour competition. So I was wondering just what your thoughts were on that and how that impacted you.
1: It was something, when it came out during that tour tournament, I had no idea about it until like the third afternoon evening. And I made the top 10, and that was my first day I ever actually get to fool with one. Uh, a friend of mine had one, and I messed with them in the pool till like one thirty that morning before the fourth day, and had a blast with it that last day. So I knew something, you know, it was something I had to learn. So I spent that whole winter, that spring, I I won a BFL that spring on it, and then the Everstart came, and just normal deep lures weren't working as good as that um, the Umbrella rig was. It just, there's no comparison. I won that on it. And then when the tour came out, I have a love-hate relationship with that lure. I love it because it catches them, but it it's a lure that I think it's not a dummy lure by no means because still the same great fishermen are even doing better with that rig. But when it was banned, I was actually very relieved and happy about it because now my boat can be full of normal tackle instead of one whole compartment having to be Alabama rigs. And every time you go to, you was always worried, like, if you weren't throwing it, should you be throwing it? And it it kind of messed with you. So actually, I was glad when they banned it, and I don't have to worry with it no more. And I was actually relieved. I'm glad that it happened.
2: Now, do you do you feel like because I think uh, I don't know if a lot of listeners know this, but um, Alex, we talked before about after that that 2011 tournament on Gunnersville that Paul Elias won when the when the A rig came out. You were telling me that you stayed up till like two in the morning after that tournament just making rigs right before you went yeah. into even using them the whole spring so you have a ton of time invested into this thing um and but it's kind of interesting to see that you really i mean you're actually kind of happy that you don't have to haul them around anymore in your boat at least tournament wise
1: yeah i mean to me like the the night after the tournament i set up me and my dad's up to like two thirty, making just homemade when dude's getting jb weld and J b stick and getting like plumbing wire and I mean it was it was doing the job, but it wasn't I mean it wasn't the prettiest thing in the world. I actually kept some of them and I look at them now and I'm like, my goodness what a, what an ugly looking thing. But it's just so much when you go to a new lake, if you can use it, I feel like you have to because I feel like it makes the bigger fish bite. It makes fish that normally wouldn't bite bite. It makes suspended fish bite normally if you're catching them on a jerk bait, and you're just getting a few. I think that Umbrella Rig will catch bigger ones. And, like, when we went to Smith, you look at Eiler, which he did most of his damage all on a drop shot, but that last day the wind came, and I think one of the biggest fish he caught all week was off the Umbrella Rig. And if yep. you look at that tournament, there was, like, Krieger was throwing it, and then Prosnick, I mean, Proznik when they showed too. him, he was just, he was killing them, and a lot of people was catching them on it. And I think that tournament, had there been no Umbrella Rig, The results would have been different. You would have seen different people do good, different people do worse. I think healer still would have blown it away, but it's just, that's something I don't like. I don't like that a lure can come out and can change everything just because of it's a new lure. It's not, I just didn't like it. I mean, I love to throw it, love to catch them on it. It kills my back, it kills my shoulders. I go regularly to the chiropractor because of it, so I'm I'm glad if nothing else I don't have to go to the chiropractor as much.
0: <laughs> All right. But to kind of wrap it up, um, do you have a you know, do you have a favorite a favorite umbrella rig or a favorite combo of rig and swim baits that you typically like to throw? It's sort of your starter rig if you're gonna go out to a new lake?
1: I have one rig made and it's actually copied after the original man the one that that kind of started it all i know somebody that has a mold that can do it identical it looks just the same they bought the same wire that they was using so it's virtually the original the original a umbrella rig that was ever made i use that one i start out throwing four and a half inch chattelicious the striking chattelicious and i throw. Either eighth they they're quarter late, just depending on depth. Fishing deeper, throw quarters. Fishing shallower, throw late. That's my starter rig. I just feel like it catches more. Still catches big ones. If I really wanted to catch big, big ones, you put on five and a half inch swim baits with half ounce heads, and just put a little bit of torture on your body, and you'll you'll catch some. No blades at all, though. I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of the blades. I've tried them blades and no blades. I really can't tell a difference. I, I, you can feel a difference by reeling it. I can't tell a catch ratio difference, so I've just, it don't matter to me. It's, I think it's going to make the fish bite either way. I think it's just that, that, the five coming through there, and then when that big one with 13, I was, that even makes them bite even more because it looks like more of a school of shad. So I think it has more with the baits than it does the blades.
0: Interesting. Right, fair enough.
2: Yeah. So, um, let's see. I did have one other. Oh. Uh, keep keeping with the rig for a little bit here. Uh, the last thing I want to know is, Alex, you you uh, you guide on Gunnersville regularly, correct?
1: Yeah, they're very regularly. About five days a week, spring, summer, and fall, and two days a week in the winter. So what what
2: did anything change for you when the Alabama rig came out? I imagine you had a lot of people that just wanted to go out because it's Gunnersville, and they just wanted to throw the A rig.
1: Yeah, a lot of people just wanted to learn it and people had the misconception of they wouldn't bite it on their weights, like a, I don't know if they just didn't think the fish was big enough or, you know, what kind of a theory was that on that? I guess it was just because it took off, the biggest takeoff was on gunners, so people wanted to come here and throw it. Right. The only real thing I noticed different is you was catching fish in places that normally you might catch two or three, now you was catching you know, ten or twelve off the same places, and the the quality, the size, like the size of the fish, just it got a lot better. The term results got a lot better, and that's what I saw when it happened. Now it's kind of back to normal, and I think it's just a it's just a lure, just like anyone else that got accustomed to it. It's more of a timing thing now.
2: Right, right. But you did actually your business did pick up because of that because of that rig.
1: I wouldn't say I got more trips because I've been booked for like. Ever since I've been doing it, I think I've been doing it ten years and I've always been just steady book spring and summer and fall. But I definitely saw more people was wanting just to do that versus anything oh, else. Okay. Like they would request they would request, I want to learn the Alabama rig. I still get people like I uh, get emails last night and last week about this coming spring and they want to come learn the A rig. So people are still intrigued by it and they want to learn just that. They don't really have a they don't want to go throw a route trap anymore. They want to throw the A rig.
2: Ah, I got you. That makes sense.
0: All right. So, I guess let's meander back on over to Smith Lake. We're going back there this year. Um, and I know you're a guide on Gunnersville, but you've definitely been on Smith recently, and it's not super far away. But, no. I guess, how much experience do you have there? Because your 145th place finish there kind of sticks out. <laughs>
1: That, that was a, uh, I, I go there, I try to go there every year a few times a year. And before that tournament, I went there in January, February, and had some of the best days I've ever had on Smith. And I really thought I, like, figured something out. And when the tournament came the first day I practiced, it was still working. I was still, like, you know, had a lot of confidence going in. And that tournament was by far the worst tournament I've ever had fishing ever. I felt like I didn't know anything. Everything I was doing, which I was just throwing a big jig out deep, and it just it dried up, it went away, and I was too stubborn to switch. So I made it my when I when I saw it on the schedule, I said I was going to make sure I go to Smith two or three days every week this whole winter, all the way up until the cutoff, because I want to learn everything I can to get more of a kind of a payback for that tournament because I. I still think about that one. That's one that don't, I won't forget that one.
2: Well, on on uh, on your Facebook page, it definitely looks like you've been catching some pretty big-looking spotted bass.
1: Yeah, we had, the first day I went over there, I had a trip, and we caught 21, and we probably had 14 or 15 pounds. And then my dad wanted to go the next day. Me and him went and caught 14. I think I had one that weighed over five. We had two more right at four. We had probably 17 half, 18 pounds of spots. And then I went back over there Monday, and we caught another 15 to 16 pounds. I've learned a lot. I've learned kind of where I messed up and more what I need to do for the tour term. Not that they're going to be in the same places, just learning more about the lake. The lake is, I honestly think it's probably one of the best lakes in Alabama that most people hate the fish because it's deep and clear and it gets very little pressure. I mean, you go all day and you'll see a pontoon boat drive by and that's it. Which (laughs) is that's nice. I like, I like that.
2: Well, it definitely seemed, um, you know, a lot of guys were saying that too, last time we were there that, you know, it's kind of one of the more overlooked lakes in Alabama, but that, those weights you've been catching and I know it's early, but that like 14, 15, 16 pounds. I mean, that's about what Ayler had, um, the last time we were there,
1: it's yeah, I was, I was looking off. at it, you know I was looking at that and I I was I was thinking you know I'm not far off and my goal was to try to catch a 20 pound bag just from me going over there I want I want to catch a 20 pound bag of spots and I sometimes I think it's far fetched I've been over there a lot and I haven't done it but when I caught that five pounder the other day when I brought him up there was probably ten that looked just like him. And they was they was running into the fish and trying to get the bait out of his mouth. So the potential over there is very very good, and it's I think it'll I think this year. I think the fish are getting bigger. It seems like the average of fish are they're getting out of that slot that they have, and there's a lot more that's you know 17, 18 inches, and some you know five pounders. I think the I think the weights will go up. I think it'll be a really good tournament.
0: Good stuff. How do you like the 20? 15 tour schedule overall you know do you feel like it it's something that you can fish well on and you know continue to rise in
1: i think it i mean i like the schedule i like everything about it i'm really looking forward to going to UFO again because i had a good tournament and I, i think i learned a lot there smith just because it's close to home and i'm going to try to put as much work as i can to do good I fish the Potomac a bunch, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that one because that's where I'm originally from in Virginia, so my family will be able to be there. As weird as this sounds, the one I least look forward to and dread the most is Chickamauga, even though it's a TVA lake. That thing just, it's not like a Kentucky lake where it's a huge lake and, you know, miles and miles of ledges. It fishes incredibly small. Okay.
0: Is
2: that—is that kind of what you ran into? Um when we were there in 2013 I think you finished 91st I want to say um but was that kind of some of it was it it was just fishing small
1: I I went out there deep the first couple days of practice and it just seemed like if you would ride over a place and look at it sometimes this happened I'd ride over and look at something and when I'd go do a u-turn to go back where I just looked at there was a boat all of a sudden riding back where I just came from and it I think it just got to me, and I I don't like fishing in crowds. It's just something I don't like to do. I like to try to find something where you can kind of be by yourself, like even at Kentucky Lake. I saw virtually nobody ever. I just ran away from, I know, I ran all the way to New Johnsonville and just kind of got away from the crowds, which was nice. I got to catch a ton of fish, you know, wasn't near people, didn't have that messing with me. Chickamauga messed with me, so then I just went shallow, and I, I mean, I had opportunities to get a check it just didn't happen that's how it goes but it that that small fishing on lakes like that it just it drives me crazy
0: you've improved two years in a row i brought this up a couple times right now what do you feel like you've learned uh between those two years you know what what do you think has made you a better fisherman than you were when you first started out
1: i think a lot is just the confidence that you get you can make seems like the last two years i've been able to make Either it be a bait change, maybe a bait that I never even tried in practice, just thought it would work, and then the tournament pick it up and it would start working, or the confidence to run a few places and nothing's going on, it seems like what happened in practice is not happening, and just look over and see something across the lake and be like, man, that looks good, let me go try it. And then you go over there. And if you have a couple tournaments where you just kind of just go try something during the tournament works. it gives you that confidence that you can, you know, you can just go try new things. And in your head, you're thinking you start making right decisions. You don't doubt yourself. I think that's helped me more than anything, just confidence that knowing what I'm doing is working and I I can adjust kind of on the fly.
2: And does that confidence um, that you kind of built up over the last two seasons, do you already feel – um, just a lot better about this upcoming season just because you do have that experience the last two years
1: yeah most most definitely La- last year i Okeechobee it was a kind of a stub your toe right at the first one I had the opportunity the second day I never really had anything to you know to speak of that really helped me the first day I lost one really big fish that just is a gives really thick stuff I couldn't get it out you know if that fish gets in the boat I think I'd have made the cup just on that so i mean i have it in my head that you know I, I fished good enough and i i did good enough where i could have made the cut it just didn't happen but now i feel like this year you know i think everything's going to come together and I feel like i'm a better fisherman by far than i was two years ago so I'm, I'm really looking forward to 2015 i like the schedule i'm just i'm actually excited about it
0: so making the cup is your 2015
1: goal then that's definitely my goal i mean i think it's something that It's important just to be able to say you you know you made the cup you belong in that top you know that top tier of fishermen and it's definitely something that's good on a resume to be able to say you made the cup because I mean it's something I think I read in either FLW or heard it on a an interview that they said like two hundred and 20 fishermen, different fishermen have ever fished the cup. So, I mean, you can see that that's something that it's not like just because you're fishing FLW, you, you know, you're going to make it a few, do it a few years. It's something that's still kind of a, it's an elite thing to get to do that. And I, that's that's definitely my goal for 15.
0: Yeah, I don't remember that exact number, but you're definitely right. I mean, yeah, it's that's somewhere in there. It's, it's hard to do because so many of those slots are taken up by guys who make it every year, like, you know, Dudley and Annie Morgan, and I know Clawson didn't make it this year, but the guys like that who, you know, they're they're always going to be at the cup, and so it's naturally it's a struggle to get there.
1: Yeah, and it's just definitely something that I mean, that's what I want. That's you know, that's just that's a big goal of mine. I mean, I know a lot of people. Of course, I want to win a tournament. That would be absolutely great. I think winning is a thing of. It has to be your time. If it's your time to win, it's your time to win. And I don't really think you can, you can stop it or try to make it not happen. I just, that's how I feel about winning. It just happens. Which, the cup is, you have to have a good year. You might be able to have one bomb, but you have to have five good ones. Or you might be able to have two kind of stub your toe 80th place finishes, but you have to have four good ones. So it kind of shows that you can catch them all year long and you, you know, you, you're a pretty good fisherman if you make the cup.
0: Have you, uh, have you ever been on Watchtalk?
1: I have not been to wachita okay if i if i make it i definitely will go spend a lot of time this summer because with my job i can be i can be flexible i can take off two weeks and go do something like that so i hope i I hope i get to spend some days in july at wachita
0: (laughs) i hope you do too yeah i agree man um so Uh, can no go ahead kyle sorry
2: i was just gonna say on kind of on the lines of goals for 2015 i know you said obviously you want to make the cup and if you win that'd be cool but do you have any other you know a lot of guys will say like "Ooh, i'd like to make you know just one top 20 or you know like i want to fish a top 10 cut or something like you know any kind of smaller little personal goals do you have anything like that
1: i would like to make another top 10 the very first tour tournament i ever fished was on Gunnersville in the last one and i made a top 10 and I'm not trying to say that like, it made me think it was easy, but the first time you ever fish one, granted, is on my home lake, you make the top 10. It's like, you know, it's kind of like, well, that was easy. Oh, sure. And then, then after doing my first year and I never made a top 20, I was close. I think you follow, I got like 27th and grand. I think I was either like 29th or 30th right in there somewhere. And then this year I made the top 20 at Kentucky Lake, which, I wish I'd have made the top 10, but just knowing when I look around at the weigh in line the third day and you're looking at, like, Lambert and Haynes and Mark Rose and Cody Meyer and Andy Morgan, you're thinking, I'm, I'm, you know, I made the cut with some of the best deep fishermen and some of the best fishermen in the world. So I definitely want to, I'd like to make a couple more top 20s, but I definitely want to at least make one more top 10.
2: Right on. I think, that, I think that's a pretty reasonable goal for you.
1: Yeah. yeah, I'm not one of those ones, I don't want to say, oh, my goal is to win three tournaments this year, because you know, some things you can just, they're far-fetched. I think that's something that is obtainable, and you know, if I work hard enough, I can make it happen. So, set little mm-hmm. goals, and I'll be happy with myself. Have you
0: ever, have you ever been going in to uh, an FLW Tour event, and really felt like you were on the fish to win, or do you typically go in, or have most of the events you've gone into, and be like, you know what, I think I can do well if it, you know, breaks right, maybe I can compete. What's What's been your sort of typical mindset post-practice pre-tournament?
1: I've had, as weird as this to say, the one tournament where I thought I could win was Smith Lake. And that was the worst finish I've had. <laughs> and that was the one tournament going in, like, I really did think I had a really good chance at winning. And obviously, you see how that one worked out. Most of them, like at Kentucky Lake this year, I mean, I knew I could catch... I thought I could catch around 20 pounds a day. I knew that wasn't going to win. I knew that was going to be, you know, really good. The last day, I, think I only had like 16. It seemed like most tournaments, I, I come away thinking, you know, I can make the top 20. That's a feasible thing I can do, which I'm happy about that. You know, I, I've, I've had, I think, one practice ever where I came away kind of scratching my head thinking, man, what is going on, you know. I'm not even going to be able to catch anything, so. I'm, I've been mostly happy with my practices, just because I feel like I can get a check, and I feel like I have a chance to make the top twenty. So I'm always kind of satisfied.
0: All right, that's fair. I wanted to sort of take it back earlier in the interview. Then I mean, you—I uh, had no idea you were from Virginia originally. So can you sort of yeah, walk I didn't us? Eat. Can you walk <laughs> us through how you end up from whatever you were doing in Virginia to guiding on Gunnersville and then fishing the FLW Tour? Can you, what's your life story there?
1: um i was born in virginia like uh, northern virginia winchester up by it's about an hour from dc uh, my family moved to colorado when i was eight my dad just wanted to move he liked the elk hunting mule deer stuff so we moved to colorado i lived out there till i was 18 graduated high school i went to a year colorado state for fisheries, and i really got into the bass fishing about thirteen, like that's when I really like, you know, I was like, man, you know, I eat, sleep, breathe it, watch it on T V, read about it. And then I think in the summertime my parents would actually fly me back to Virginia and I'd stay with my great uncle and we'd go fish the Potomac. That's where I really got the big love for bass fishing. And then I started fishing club tournaments in Colorado I'll never forget, I was actually helping my dad. I was working, doing drywall, finishing drywall. And I got out of college one afternoon out of class and went in there and started working. He kind of asked me about my day, and I said, I, I want to quit college. He looked at me and said, do you? I said, yeah, I want to quit college. I want to bass fish for a living. He said, well, I know you've always liked it. That's a pretty big step. You're going to have to ask your mom about that one. <laughs> I, went home and, well, I went home and told my mom, I said, I want to quit college. I want to start bass fishing. She said, well... I mean, if that's what you want to do, I guess, well, we can do it. And kind of ended up picking Alabama. My parents flew to look at houses, and they decided to, uh, they ended up picking Albertville, which is about 15 miles from Gunnersville. We moved here. The day we moved here, I went and found a night shift job so I could, I'd work all night, and then when I'd get done working, I'd just come home, hook the boat, and go fish every day. So that's how that started. Then I started guiding, got to quit my night shift job, Thank goodness! I I was getting sick of getting up at ten thirty and getting home at eight and then going fishing. So it's all worked <laughs> out. This
0: that is that is really quite an incredible uh, sort of t- tale you've got there. Um, no kidding. What what lakes did you fish in Colorado? Because I I mean I hear nothing about the fishing in Colorado other than I know there was a college fishing team that made the national championship out of there this year.
1: Yeah, that was Colorado State. That was where I went to college. Um, we had damp trout lakes or walleye lakes, but in those lakes they have bass. Either it be smallmouth or largemouth. They're, uh, they do like a state, you know, I guess it's kind of a master angler program. An 18 inch largemouth is a master angler. You get a little, you know, certificate saying, you know, kind of an edible, and you did real good. And one year, they had 14 submitted in the state of Colorado, and I had eight of them. (laughs) It's it's crazy to think an 18-inch largemouth was like, woo, you know, you was doing awesome. (laughs) But it was just itty-bitty lakes. It'd be a a 500-acre lake, and you couldn't use your big motor, or it'd be a a 1,000-acre lake, but the max horse, you know, you couldn't go over 20 miles an hour. It was 30 miles an hour. It was all those kind of those kind of lakes. So that's that's what I learned. My dad bought me, when I was 16, one of those little pond prowlers that you could actually slide in the back of your truck. It's like one of those little pontoon ones. Oh, man. Like, I got that thing, and Dad rigged it up, and we put a little hummingbird graph up on the front of it, and I had a trolling motor, and I could put it. My dad, he got me a Chevy when I was sixteen, a little fifteen hundred, I'd slide her back in my truck and I'd go to ponds and I could pull it out of the truck and put it in the lake and go fishing. And you'd have thought that I was just like king of the world in that little thing.
0: (laughs) Man, that that's pretty cool. That's quite Um, the setup. I like it. And that's that's just it's just wild to me that a bass angler of your caliber would and I know you didn't exclusively come out of Colorado, obviously, but would spend that much time in Colorado, because that's not a place where you think of bass fishermen coming from at all. Um, that's cool. Well,
1: what's crazy about Colorado is the size fish isn't there, but we had deep, clear lakes that had small amounts. Then you would have, a lot of lakes had hydrilla in it. They just, hydrilla grew, so I mean, I learned the full route out there. And then I learned to throw a drop shot out there just because, you know, some of the lakes was like deep mountain lakes, had mouths, they'd have spots in them. So it was kind of, you had a little bit of everything. There was, there was one lake I loved to go to in the spring. They, the water would come up and they'd be just trees and you'd just flip trees. So I got to really learn kind of all the basics of bass fishing out there, even though they're not, you know, big lakes. You'd be fishing a 500-acre lake, but you'd still get to flip bushes or Throw a drop shot or throw around trapping grass. It, it was kind of a neat place to neat place to live. I liked it. Wow!
0: I tell you what, I've learned more about bass fishing in Colorado in the last five minutes <laughs> than I knew about bass fishing in Colorado the entire rest of my life. I so agree. <laughs> this, this has been cool. It's been worthwhile, right there, just for the Colorado factor.
1: If you ever go out there, I mean, it's definitely a place where you can bass fish and they'd have tiger musky, they'd have lakes that have pike in them. I mean, you really get to fishing there in the wintertime. You still got to fish, you're just standing on the water, and you had to do it in a hole, but you still get to learn about fish all the time.
2: Did you ice fish too?
1: Oh, yeah, no, like, I mean, soon as the soon as the fishing, like, you know, the lakes start getting real cold, and then we'd always go, uh, it was like second or third week of October, we'd always go mule deer and elk hunting. And then when that would kind of get over with, The funnest day you could ever go ice fishing was either New Year's Day, because it seemed like everybody was out the night before, so you kind of had the the lake to yourself, or the Broncos back then was Super Bowl every year. It was John Elway, Trail Davis. Every time the Broncos either made a playoff game or in the Super Bowl, the lake was you, you could pull up and just go anywhere you wanted to. So it was, I mean, I loved ice fishing. You know, you drove a hole and you'd have a cash master. You could either do bait. I always did the artificial. You could go jig and spoon up and down. I mean, it was fun. You got to go fishing. I, I don't really care what it is. I just want to, I want something to pull on mile on.
2: And I like your style.
1: <laughs> I just like to jerk on something. I really don't <laughs> care what kind of species it is. I just want to jerk on one.
0: Yeah, I had no idea that, uh, that we were talking to the most well-rounded angler on the FLW tour. No um, kidding. I mean, I
2: thought, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm up here in, in Minnesota, Alex, and pretty much any time I've ever told an angler, you know, especially around that, like, kickoff, that first tournament of the year, they're like, oh, what have you been doing? I'm like, oh, you know, I've been just cutting an 8-inch hole in the ice and, you know, catching bluegills and bass and walleyes. They look at me like I'm crazy. But now I know you're my guy to come talk to.
1: Oh, I'm a trout fishing extraordinaire. Like, when I grew up, Ooh. before I got into the bass fishing, Dad got me into the, well, I mean, that's all we did was trout fish every weekend. And I've caught, like, six-pound cut bows, the diff, you know, the half-cut throw, half-rainbows. I caught, yep. uh, like, a 13-pound brown, a 15-pound lake trout, you know, seven-pound rainbows. I've caught 15-, 16-inch brook trout, which don't sound big, but when you ever get in a brook trout and you catch a 15-incher, you know, you are happy.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you get excited about that.
1: Yes, yeah, so, I mean, I, I've done it awesome, getting in little creeks that you can jump across trying to catch an 8-inch brook chop. That makes me just as happy as, you know, getting to go to a pond, fishing for bass, or going on gunners. I mean, I just like fishing. I like matching wits with something that, you know, he thinks he's smarter than I am, and I believe I'm smarter than he is, and we'll see who wins.
0: <laughs> I like your attitude. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's really cool stuff. Um, I, I'm still just in shock about the whole you know the whole colorado the whole colorado thing i had no idea that that was uh that that was part of your life and that's that's really that's really nifty um and now i'll tell you what i'm i'm penciling your name down for my fantasy fishing team come the potomac uh (laughs) just you know just in case i'm starting to really like i got a a sleeper now
1: (laughs) I went up there um, this, I think it was late July, and I actually fished the Snag Proof Tournament. They had a Snag Proof Frogs Tournament. I think we came in fourth. I just love that place. It's always been a fun place for me to fish. It has a lot of fish. And now with the snakeheads, I mean, I know it's not something I want to catch in a tournament, but I caught a snakehead when we was up there that weighed 14.8, and the world record's like, 1780 right around there Damn. i mean this thing was massive that, that, that is a, a fun fish to catch i don't want to do it at tournament because you do get your hopes up when you jerk and it just starts pulling but, uh, but that it's still a i love fishing the potomac i've had a lot of good days up there so i'm looking forward to that one. My, my family gets to watch and i get to fish the place i really enjoy fishing so that'll be fun
0: did you eat the snakehead
1: that is the best fish you will ever put in your mouth, hands down.
0: Whoa, 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 whoa! People eat snakehead? Yeah, dude. I have a buddy who lives on the Potomac. He 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 fishes for snakehead in the summertime more than he fishes for bass because he says they're so tasty. Um, and
1: for for one, we was catching them on frogs, and I caught like two over ten. One that was fourteen. I mean, it's an awesome just explosion. And then. You know they want you to they want you to kill them. They don't want you to put them back. So I was like, all right, well I'll try to eat one. We'll just see how it goes. Well, we came to the dock one day and there were some guys on the bank and they said, are, we they said you catching? I was like, I oh, would caught you know ten or fifteen bass and three snakeheads. They said, are you going to keep the snakeheads? I was like, yeah, I was going to go eat them. He's like, well, if you don't want them, we'll take them because they are tasty. And I was like, well, you know, maybe these are going to be good. And we, you know, filleted them. I cut them up like kind of inch like cubes, like inch cubes, and deep-fried them like that, like you do, like fried fish, just deep-fried, and I, I it, nothing nothing gets anything to that. That's the best-tasting fish I've ever had.
0: Yeah, I've, wow. I've never had them. I really want to try them. But, I mean, they get big enough. They fight. They're They're, I mean, for being an invasive that we don't want there, they are a heck of a game fish, and for sure tasty from everything that I've ever heard. I mean, I feel like, I mean, up in Minnesota, kind of a lot of people talk about walleye and stuff like that, but I feel like people talk about eating snakehead with more passion than they talk about eating walleye, um, no which kidding. is, I mean, kind of kind of weird, but kind of cool. It is.
1: No, if if anybody, any tour pros are listening to this, and they catch any snakeheads this summer during practice, and you don't want them, just you know, call me. I'll take them. I'll go home and clean them after the day of practice. No problem. <laughs> So like,
2: what's what's the meat like? I'm trying to picture this. Is it? Uh, I mean, it is we, we white. eat eel pout up here, and yeah, it's kind of like it's a eel pout's like white, and it's kind of uh, they call it the poor man's lobster, basically. So it's kind of got that you know lobstery kind of firmness to the meat, but it's really good. Is that what a snakehead's like?
1: Yeah, like snakeheads, are, it's it's perfectly white meat, and it comes like. I don't know if you've ever cleaned a striper, but like a striper is white. I mean, of course, they have the mud thing. You got to get that out. But once yep. you get that out, it's white flakes. And it's just like, it's it's delicious. Like trout, it's more of like a pink meat. Not a big fan of eating trout. But uh, a snakehead, it's like the prettiest white, big flaky. I mean, it's, it's amazing.
0: Wow.
2: Jody, we got to go out to that tournament early and go get us some snakehead and just, I mean, feast like kings.
0: I'm. I have no problem with that. I'm 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 am on, on board with that. Uh I I I definitely do right. that cuz it's it's a fish I want to try and I mean they're like catching a souped up bowfin and if you are actually trying to catch a bowfin and it's not a
1: tournament, bowfin are pretty cool. Oh, I love them. Yeah, exactly. snakehead is the same thing. Like if you're just practicing and you know you're throwing a frog and one crushes it. I mean you'll never forget it. Like the one blow up I had. I mean it the the fourteen pounder. It was a blow up of all blow ups in a matter graph. I mean it was it was amazing. I was like my goodness what a blow up? That's awesome. Hmm. Oh
0: man,
2: I feel like my mind is still so blown from this whole conversation.
0: Yeah, I mean we've gone from uh, we've gone from Colorado and trout to ice fishing to snakehead to. Uh, and I think we started on umbrella rigs, so we really we've, we, covered, we've been all over. The we've place. covered I'll the like... gamut of topics here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess you know before we before we go before we move this out, um, Alex, you obviously you've got a lot of experience. Do you, if you were going to give sort of a tip of the week per se to to our listeners, what would your what would your tip be? Whether it's uh, something that you've been doing on Smith Lake recently or something. You've been doing on Gunnersville. Um, how do you help some people catch more fish?
1: If, to me, in the wintertime, time, at TVA lakes, we have current that that helps a lot of where they position. But even lakes without current, if you're going to fish any kind of rock, to me, I want into, like if a rock transition comes out, whether it be like a big you know big boulders where they can kind of get behind, and if obviously ambush shad, or if a bluff wall. I know a lot of people just say fish bluff walls. When you get along a bluff, you can see when you kind of parallel it where one should be. There'll be, like, points in the bluff that'll come out. Anywhere, there'll be, like, a point in the bluff, and I know a lot of times at Smith, we don't have it at Gunnersville, but you'll be fishing down the bank, and you'll see a rock come out, and it looks like it just makes a sheer drop off. And it kind of like a, the rock is broke off, and it kind of undercuts up underneath of it. Anytime you see those places, especially like an undercut rock or a point on a bluff, that's, just, that's prime real estate in the wintertime.
0: You know that undercut rock type spot, I feel like that is very similar to right where Ayler caught his kicker in the f l w Tour event on Smith like if I, think I remember right. correctly and I'm thinking of the video of that, I feel like there's an undercut piece of bluff, just like what you described right behind him in that video
1: there there is and a lot of it you can't see just by driving down the lake and looking over like you just can't see it. A lot of the ones, like, lately, if I've caught a fish off of it, I'm just fishing down the bank. And then you'll kind of look and be like, well, that looks weird. And then, you know, you can see that it's a big rock, and then it just cuts straight off up underneath of it. It's To me, I like those places because it's not a place that you can just run down the lake and look over and see. It's something you actually have to be fishing to find a place like that. So. They're everywhere, but they're not just like, you know, every 20 yards doesn't have one. So it it's kind of like a little hidden thing that you have to be paying attention. I mean, if you're not paying attention, you'll never see it. So that's, that's good places that you can kind of, not that you're going to have it to yourself, but, you know, if you can think you can find 20 places like that, you might be able to just run those places and, you know, pick one off here or there that most people, they might overlook because they have no idea it's there.
0: Can you find that on site imaging or not because you're just looking at such a sheer bank?
1: you're looking at such a sheer bank it won't to me when i when i do it i can't see it i mean i can see the rock but you can't see it like perfectly cut out in paper it's just it's so hard because i mean you'll see like a boulder and i think it just kind of it looks so weird how it cuts i can't see it so i don't think it's one of those things you can just ride down the bank and look at it's more you have to actually fish down the bank to find it which is which is nice
0: yeah that's cool i mean, any. I feel like more and more nowadays, anything that you can that you have to find by fishing, sort of is increasingly valuable because so many people oh, are actually fishing less and less, um, and they're finding things that you can find by idling over them. Um, I, I think that's cool. That uh, anytime you can have a little find by fishing type tip, that's a good one to have. Yeah, that's a that's a good really good tip.
1: And I, I think that kind of that's how I'm used to it everything was done, and now with the advent of, you know, all the grass and side image and down image. I think a lot of the just go fishing mentality has been taken out for just go ride around mentality, which I'd rather find places while fishing that's like, man, that was neat. I mean, there's a couple places that you follow that I was fishing shallow, and there'd just be a few rocks in the water, just underneath the water. And every time I'd go by a place like that, I could catch one. But I never would have found it by riding around. I mean, that was a strictly... Fish my way down through a bank, and then look over
0: and be like, "Huh, that's different." Cool. Well, uh, Alex, thanks for coming on. It's been a been a real pleasure. yeah, man. Um, Absolute blast. Before before we let you go, well, pretty- where if people want to follow you, find you on the internet, uh, social media, that sort of thing, if they want to book a trip with you, uh, get some uh, get some more good stories. Where should they go? What what's the route to find Alex Davis?
1: Um, any kind of guide stuff, I have a, it's www.spinnerbaitkid.com. That's my guide service name. That's my guide page. Uh, www.alexdavisfishing is my actual personal page, like for the tour. Um, it has actually links on there where you can kind of see what's happening on Twitter. You can see what's going on on my fan page at Facebook. I have an Instagram, alexdavisfishing. So pretty much everything's alexdavisfishing.
0: All right. Well, Alex, uh... Thanks for coming on. It's been a real pleasure. Uh, really enjoyed it. And of course, best of luck in 2015 and Merry Christmas. Yeah, man. Merry All Christmas. Guys, Look well, forward to seeing
1: you. I appreciate you having me on. Y'all have a good Christmas and uh, hope y'all catch some fish sometime, especially through the ice. So
0: Kyle, we just wrapped up a uh, sweet interview with Alex Davis and oh,
2: man, it, Alex, was, it was good.
0: it was incredible.
2: It, I mean, there were so many things that just completely took my breath away. I mean, the, I think the snakehead thing for me was the biggest deal. Like, I didn't
0: know you eat those things. I tell you what, I, I mean, I knew you could eat them, obviously. Uh, that's, in fact, like one of the reasons they're here in the first place is because people wanted, the people brought them over from, I guess, like Thailand or somewhere in Asia, and they brought them over to eat them. And they were like, oh, well, they'll be fine in ponds and stuff like that. And they won't escape, or uh, something along uh, those lines. Like, I think some of the reasoning of why they get spread is because people are trying to eat them. Um, which uh, is, I mean, obviously not a super great thing in that they go new places. But sure. uh, they are, you know, by all accounts, pretty darn tasty. And I I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe when we're down in Maryland for the Potomac tournament, maybe... Maybe there'll be restaurants that serve them, like you can get walleye sandwiches in Minnesota. Yep. Maybe we'll be able to get snakehead sandwiches down there, in which case, I mean, I, mean, I got to get on that.
2: I, I want to try it. So, I mean, I guess it's not that, not that I didn't know you couldn't eat them. It's just, again, you know, it's not something we have around here, um, but it sounds like it's kind of the same thing as an eel pout, which a lot of people consider uh, the poor man's lobster of Minnesota.
0: Eel pout also being burbot. In case yes. people are Sorry. confused on that.
2: Yes. But, I mean, so, I mean, it's same principle, right? So, I don't know why it wouldn't be delicious.
0: Yeah. Uh, I would think they'd be more akin to eating a bowfin, but I've never eaten a bowfin or heard of anyone who's eaten a bowfin, so I would almost... I've never tried it. Yeah. What you should do is you should catch and eat a bowfin prior to, because you got them up there, right? Oh, yeah. Dogfish. Yeah. Dogfish, yeah. bowfin. Um, you should catch and eat one of those prior to the Potomac event to like have a, a basis, so you can compare and you can be like, Jody, you were right, they taste like bowfin, or, nope, I was <laughs> right, they taste like eel pout slash burbot, or nope, they just taste awesome like a whatever snakehead tastes like. Well,
2: maybe maybe I will try that. That could be that could be something good to talk about. We'll compare a. Uh, snakehead versus a dogfish.
0: All right. Well, we'll or keep both. we'll keep that in mind uh, for the for the Potomac stop, and maybe yeah, I'll, maybe I'll bring that up that. again um, yeah, as we yeah. get closer to it. Uh, but I think um, I think that aside, we've kind of got a fair amount of actual news and stuff to talk about this week. So I think we'll go through. I've got two sponsorship pieces of news that I think we can just rattle off quick more to say these, these happened yeah. than to actually dig into them. Yeah, uh, bring them to one, us. Yeah, so number one, uh, Clint Davis signed with Yozuri uh, as a hard bait sponsor of his. I think that's, you know, by, that's cool. Davis is a cool guy. Uh, I used to troll a lot of Yozuri's growing up, so I'm all about that. Uh, number two, FLW signed... Uh, Navionics as a sponsor, and I use Navionics, I mean, on average, I would say I use it most days of the week, because I use it when I'm in the boat on the weekend, and oh, yeah. I use it in the office when I'm like, man, let me just go see what that lake is like, and I bring up oh, their yeah. web app. Do or, a little uh, desk scouting? Yeah. For sure. Or the app on my phone, so, I mean, it's, I'm pretty excited about that, to see what we can do with that. I know... You know, I know Kurt is working on some kind of cool stuff for the magazine with, you know, using Navionics and using some pros' input, uh, map-wise and things like that. So, yep. I yeah, think, we'll have uh, some
2: we'll have some cool stuff for the web too.
0: Yeah, I I think that's that's very exciting news. That's some that's something that I'm that's a sponsor that not only am I'm glad we have the sponsor, but I'm actually fired up about the sponsor because I love the product they put mm-hmm. out. Um, I agree. But I think the big news of the week uh, was Ranger got sold.
2: Real um, big news. Or,
0: well, Ranger got bought. Or, well, they haven't been bought yet, but they're going to be bought, it appears. Yes. Uh, if you somehow missed this, first of which all, congratulations would, on yeah. missing it. Because <laughs> that's like a big achievement. Real big. Uh, second, Bass Pro and Johnny Morris uh, purchased uh, Fishing Holdings, which is. Ranger and Stratus and Triton, um, from Platinum Equity, which was the company that owned Ranger and Stratus and Triton beforehand. Mm-hmm. So now it appears, assuming this deal gets finalized, uh, and it sounds like it's going to get finalized. I mean, I haven't yes. heard, I haven't heard or seen anything that would say otherwise. Yep. Um, it it appears that Bass Pro is going to own Ranger and Stratus and Triton, and um, there. are and also nitro and you know tracker and all yep. that stuff, so it's going to be uh, it's going to be a shake up in the boat building world for sure, uh, but kind of a kind of a cool shake up I think yeah it's, I like it I think it's cool yeah i I like it I would say I like it too um, My first initial reaction was just shock because you know I kind of I knew Ranger was going to get sold, but i hadn't really thought to myself when they were going to get sold or anything like that. I just kind of assumed they would get sold to some new shadowy conglomerate. Yep, that's um, exactly what I was thinking. I didn't really think that they were going to get sold to something that I actually knew and, you know, knew of. Well, so, let alone
2: something that had, um, you know, like that Bass Pro um, umbrella of boats, you know, with Tahoe, Tracker, Nitro. You know, it's such, like, a specific, you know, group. Like, you could get them at Bass Pro, and then you have, like, the Tracker Marine or the Bass Pro um, specific dealers, and you never really see, like, any other boats there. So it's kind of weird to see that, you know, they'd pick up something like this with Triton Stratus Ranger. That That was kind of, like, the weird, confusing thing to me.
0: Yeah, the dealership side of things, to me, I mean, we had a really great piece up. Uh, a Q&A with Randy Hopper, who's uh, the president of Ranger Boats. And, you know, he answered some questions, but I feel like the dealer side of things and how that's going to shake out is probably the most interesting, interesting thing. And it's not... Yeah, I mean, it's not something that's going to happen super quickly. Like, I've seen a lot of Ranger dealers who seem to be pretty excited about it, especially yep. Bill Day. Um, and... I'm not entirely sure why they're excited about it. Like it seems to me that they should be more okay. Let's see what happens about it. Mm-hmm. But you know, regardless, if they're excited about it, that would lead me to think that there's a reason to be excited. And I mean, honestly, there's probably there's probably some cool things that can happen now that you know Ranger and Bass Pro are in theory working together on this.
2: Oh, absolutely. Well, Randy Hopper said too about the about the dealerships. Um, That a lot of um, existing Ranger dealers already carry some of those Bass Pro boat brands, which I know of. There's one dealer in Minnesota here that is like that. You know, you can get Ranger and you can get trackers and like the Tahoe, whatever their line of, you know, pleasure boats are. Um, So I could see how that, you know, isn't that big a change, but. You're right. I mean, if dealers are fired up about it, I think it's going to be a good thing. And I don't know, maybe who knows what kind of cool things will come in the, the next few years here.
0: So one question for you that I've got, it's a concern that a lot of people seem to have. Well, maybe not a lot of people, but some people seem to have is that, you know, two, three years from now, they feel like they might be buying a Ranger that is no longer what they expect a Ranger to be. Right now you buy a Ranger, you think it's going to be the highest quality bass boat money can buy. Yep. And a lot of people are concerned that, you know what, oh, they're going to get cheaper, they're going to go big box, they're not going to be what you think they can be. Do you do you feel like that's a legitimate concern or not?
2: I don't, because, uh, like, Ranger itself uh, has kind of, you know, proven that they can continue to provide quality um through changing hands, and they already have this system set up, you know, in, in flipping to build these boats, um, you know, their their fiberglass line and their aluminum line.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And to me, it would be dumb to take away from that. You know, I I I kind of picture Bass Pro is coming in. There might be a few tweaks they do, but I kind of picture Johnny Morris just saying, "Okay, we got you," but. Keep doing your thing because you're really good at it. Um, that's kind of my gut feeling on the whole thing, you know. So I really don't think much will change. I think Ranger will keep doing what they do. Um, you know, I think they've kind of proved they know what they're doing, so I don't really think there would be a reason to change it. As far as like, you know, bringing price point down or you know, kind of cheapening them up. I mean, that's why if you don't want to buy Ranger, that's why they have. Uh, bass pro has you know like you get a tracker you get like aluminum or small nitro or something like that to kind of fit that market so now it's kind of like they have all bases covered to me at least so that's that's my take on it
0: yeah i would i think i would i would agree uh i especially think you know ranger just had their best year ever Mm -hmm. um and ranger is as far as i know you know they have plans to continue to add employees i think i was reading an article i think In one of the sort of local papers down there where I think Ranger said that they were planning, you know, regardless, you know, of regardless of this purchase uh, and, you know, continuing going forward that they were planning on adding, I want to say like another 25 employees in 2015, you know, not. Oh, wow. Not like expanding the plant or anything, but you know bumping their workforce up to up even closer to 1000 because they have like 900 something there now. Uh so to me that was just I don't know. I think that they've got such a good thing going and I don't think Johnny Morris is dumb. I think he probably bought this cuz he's like, "You know what? This is a really good opportunity to buy a company that's on the upswing is going to yep. continue to gain value." Um and You know, it it would probably be foolish to to mess with success.
2: Absolutely.
0: All right. Um, I had one other question, and this is one where I don't know that you and I necessarily, we don't don't have any insight on this. I don't think anybody has any insight on this, but people want to know it. Is this going to affect how Ranger and FLW work together in the future? No. Your thoughts.
2: No, I, I don't think so. At all. Again, because I, I, that relationship that's been there, um, you know, we, you know, we kind of, we help each other out, you know, in terms of selling boats, uh, showcasing the product. It's, it's just such a good relationship that I don't think anyone would do anything to try to split that apart. Um, And nor do I really see like a reason why that would need to happen. Um, But, you know, that's my that's my optimistic take on it but i mean i i really don't feel like it would get shaken up at all um in the coming years
0: i i would agree with that um god we're well, on today we're on you and i <laughs> yeah we we've got you know very similar trains of th- train of thoughts here uh it it seems like you know it's been working it's kind of the same reason we think that ranger will keep plugging along it's yes. something that's been working real well for both sides and you know, the only reason to change it would be to try and make it better, and probably there are ways to do that, uh, but that's not something we'll, you know, that seems like something that we can't speculate now until right. some other changes were to happen or something like that. So I think mm-hmm. that I think probably it's full steam ahead. Um, and I, that's, I'm with you. And, you know, from what I've seen from people uh, from higher-ups at FLW and higher-ups at Ranger, I mean, that seems to be... Uh, That seems to be echoed on all sides that, yeah, Ranger and FLW, full steam ahead as per usual. I mean, I know we signed a multi-year deal with them back in June. So, you know, for the immediate future, uh, it's all contracted in. And I would say probably whenever that contract uh, comes up, that they're probably going to, you know, continue to do the same thing and probably probably renew that again. I don't see any reason for them to duck out.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: All right. Good stuff. Well, congratulations on working your way through that topic. I think you did a phenomenal job. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Coming up, January 3rd. Oh, man. We've got our first tournament of the year, baby. Um, Gator Division BFL on Lake Okeechobee. The big O. Yeah. So, Kyle, I guess before we... I want a weight prediction from you, and I'll probably give one, too. And I've got some stats from previous years on what the winners had, just so we have that out there. Okay. And, you know, we're probably not going to preview every BFL in depth like we have for this one, but you know what? It's the this first is- one of the year. Yeah, I was going to say, this is exciting. It's not like we got a whole lot else going on. Um, kickoff tournaments are always cool. So I figure we might as well go ahead and get really get into this. Um, but what's... What sort of patterns are going to be going on down there for people who either don't know a whole lot about the Big O uh, or just maybe forgot from the last time in last winter? What's, what's going to, what do you think are going to be the deals?
2: Uh, you know, I'm fairly confident that you're going to see the guy that wins is probably going to be punching mats. And a lot of that has to do with the time of year We're in, you know, that January, February down in Florida is like prime time mat flipping time. Not only for, uh, you know, fish starting to move up and spawn with the full moons, uh, but also the fact that those mats provide a lot of warmth. So when they do get those cooler days and those fish kind of shut down, they kind of tuck up tighter under the mat. And, you know, one of the best ways to catch them is go drop a big weight in there on a big rod and start yanking out, you know, four, five, six, eight-pounders. So that's kind of what I'm thinking. I'm thinking you're going to see flipping is going to be kind of the primary deal.
0: I I would agree. I think that there's a real good chance that's how it's going to be won. I mean, obviously, I think you got to mention, though, uh, you've got to mention the possibility for a swim bait-type deal, um, you know, with a skinny dipper, uh, with a gambler, yes. Big Easy. Yep. Uh, you've got to mention a swim jig. And I think those are, and maybe you know, maybe mention sort of a Texas rig worm type deal or a prop bait type deal. Uh, just, just from the idea that you wouldn't want to leave those things out—that you know, they could, right. they could be used, they could come into play.
2: Well, it kind of it kind of depends on uh, I think weather a little bit plays into it, and it kind of depends on, um, you know, the area. There's there's some parts of Okeechobee that you kind of have to cover a lot of water um you know that's where the the uh like a swim jig or uh, a cane thumper or skinny dipper something to that extent you know where you just kind of reel it through that grass and you're covering a lot of water you need to do that and then there's parts of Okeechobee that are nasty gnarly dead hyacinth um green highest, you know, like a big mixture of mats, uh, cattails, um, you know, the whole kit and caboodle, and that's where those smaller areas is where guys I think are actually better off just kind of slowly probing around because those some of those mats, you know, might only be as big as a boat. if but not they can more, hold but
0: they, a 35-pound limit of bass.
2: Exactly. So, you know, it, it really kind of depends on what area the lake is, is going, I guess, for lack of a better term. And I think we've kind of seen a little bit of that through the past few years of that first BFL on Okeechobee. You know, we've seen some guys having to cover water and fish kind of more of the south end. Um, You get to kind of like the west side and going north, you'll see some more mat flipping and some of that, you know, heavier punching type uh, techniques going on.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, Last year, Mike Kiso Jr., uh, he caught 24 pounds, 14 ounces. Um, for the win, and he was flipping a gambler BB cricket. Yeah, uh, but that one was real post frontal, and it was it's, kind of a it was kind of a weird one. Uh, and he he was wasn't he catching like thirty pound bags
2: before that? Like he, when the weather was solid,
0: he said he was catching thirty to thirty five pounds a day, um, leading up the tournament. Yeah, uh, and you know, obviously that's all as usual in Florida having that weather cooperate and be nice and lead up well to it can make a huge difference. And it might be too early for a spawn, but I suppose really down there it's never too early, and you could see, you know, if the weather really does cooperate, you could probably see some fish get caught off beds. But let's let's get away from the actual how they're going to get caught and talk some numbers here. Um, All right. So in 2012, or sorry, in 2011... Uh, on February 12th, um, Mark Lundgren caught 28 pounds, 5 ounces for the win. And these are this was the kickoff Okeechobee tournament of the year. Did you say February or January? I thought I heard February. But we're talking about January, right? Well, January this, 12th? this one was actually February. In um, 2000 when? 2011.
2: Oh, 11. Okay, yeah. sorry, I thought you said 12. I was going to say I thought 12 was in January. Well, no, 2000... I'm, just, I'm not listening, so I'll just let you talk. Okay, so
0: 2012 <laughs> yeah. in January, Dan Blanchard caught 30 pounds six ounces. 2013 in January, Steven Stinson caught 32 pounds 10 ounces, and then last year in January, Mike Kiso Jr. caught 24 14. So, Kyle, give me a winning weight. What's this one going to take? Well, I you realize. Can... You can see
2: weather in a lot of those, right? You know, like last year with that front
0: weights drop. But
2: I'm going, I think it's going to take, I'm going 29.5
0: for a winning weight. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to write this down. Um, Then I'm going to lose this notepad because I'm almost to the last page of it. (laughs) Uh, 29.5. Yep. All right. I hate predicting Okeechobee for weights when I had to do it for BFLs because it's such a wide range. I mean, it, it is. You can say, like, okay, 25, but you're not at all surprised if, like, 24 wins, but you're also not at all surprised if 30 wins. And it's not like the Ohio River where you can say, oh, it's going to take about 9 pounds and somebody catches 8 and you still look smart even though, like, 8 is, like, 6 miles away from 9 pounds on the okay. Ohio River. Right. Uh, look, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to be real optimistic. I'm going to say they're going to hammer on them. Um, I'm gonna say 31. Ooh, I like I'll just like it. 31. I'm not gonna throw any ounces are in there. Okay. Um. All right. Well, I've written these down. We'll probably forget them, but we got them there.
2: We got them. We can always listen to this again and figure out what we what we said.
0: Yeah. So there's one more news item I want to mention, and it's that Cody Meyer and Jason Johnson are out in California catching hogs oh uh, they are wrecking them they're having like some kind of dream trip from what i can tell um they caught a 38 pound limit of spotted bass yesterday
2: jeez uh
0: that at that the average fish in that limit is bigger than any bass i've ever caught (laughs) Uh, so i would say you know i know we plugged alex davis and where to follow him you might want to hit up Instagram uh, Cody Meyer Angler at and at Lanier Bass for Jason Johnson, uh, or find them on Facebook or whatnot. Because man, there are some pretty impressive photos coming out of there. They look like they're having the time of their lives. Um, and we may or may not write something about that. I'm supposed to call Jason later today after I get done with this podcast. So maybe we'll even have the scoop on FLWOutdoors.com about how to how to catch some of these or. Why you should go out there or something, but that's that's very much up in the air. Um, But anyhow, you know that aside, Kyle, what do you have before we before we totally leave here and go away for the holidays? What do you have on your plate? What have you been working on? What's uh, what's coming up in your life uh, from work to uh, from work to holidays to whatever you want to get into?
2: Um, Basically, uh, working on some finishing up some magazine stories. Uh, got a few, um, one or two web stories I'd like to try to get done before, before we all, uh, take some time off. Uh, what else have I been doing? Been doing a little bit of video stuff. Um, we got final, the final circuit breaker episode, uh, coming up and... From the
0: old Kentucky Lake?
2: Oh yeah, from Kentucky Lake. And we're going to be uh shooting a bunch of fishing one-on-ones um our little instructional series we do uh we got a bunch of those lined up as soon as we get back uh, those are
0: very good and very popular as i recall
2: oh yeah we're gonna film a bunch of those and um i mean that's that's pretty much it on the work front uh and then (laughs) over break i got to go down to go down to iowa spend some time with the family and, uh, I'm probably gonna pheasant hunt a little bit, but I'm really excited to get out and ice fish. I think I got like four or five days of just straight ice fishing planned back up here in Minnesota. And I'm gonna be chasing big gills, uh, big crappies, and hopefully some pretty big walleye. So I'm pretty jacked for that.
0: Well, that's good stuff. It sounds like you've got, uh, got some busy plans going on, some busy work going on, but, Sounds like sounds like pretty fun stuff too.
2: Yeah, and I imagine you probably also have some pretty fun stuff going on.
0: Um, yeah, I've got I uh, got a couple of magazine things I'm working on. Um, doing a big swim bait article. I got to call Jimmy Reese up. Uh, Ooh, dude, you got to call Jimmy Reese up sometime and talk swim baits. He knows <laughs> so much about swim baits. Uh, so that was real fun. Um. Working on some uh, some rivery stuff. Got to call up Tom Monsoor. Uh, that's always fun. Um, I would say I guess beyond FLW, I'm I'm looking forward. I'm getting home. Uh, got got a pretty I think pretty fun break lined up. I mean, I'm not. I assume uh, Christmas will be great as usual. Uh, and I'm gonna fish a tournament on Candlewood with Mark on Sunday. Ooh,
2: that's
0: gonna be cool. So I'll I'll fly back home. I'll get back uh, Friday night. Um, I'll drive down sometime Saturday afternoon, uh, and hopefully we'll go out. It's an eight fish limit. Hopefully we'll go. We'll catch about thirty pounds of smallmouth or so. Um, take home the W. Um, <laughs> might fish on Monday. Might go catch some stripers. Uh, might go Ooh, back on cool. Candlewood. They've got a river there. It's called the Housatonic. Um, the hoots of what's he the exactly <laughs> the hoots the Husa tonic um and stripers run in from the ocean there and they're not really huge ones i mean you can catch them up to like probably 10 12 pounds but most of them are like four pounds or so but man you can catch them every single cast i mean if you have a hundred fish oh, day cool. like that's a slow day um wow. and so we might go do that you know maybe on monday or something uh or maybe not. I haven't, you know. We have. It's kind of up in the air. We're just kind of going and probably going to have some fun. Um, sure. And I don't know. I mean, maybe I'll ice fish back home. I probably won't. Uh, I'll probably oh, just totally I'll probably just chill with the family and then, you know, I'm going to have a day off for New Year's and a day off for New Year's New Year's Eve. And I'm fi- fixing to spend those on Kentucky Lake. Uh, I think so. It should be a good deal.
2: Right on. Now, I guess we should probably mention that just because we talked about being out of the office for quite some time, there's there's still going to be a lot of stuff going up on FLWoutdoors.com. So, you know, it's not like the website's not taking a break. We're just, we got a lot of stuff uploaded on the front end. So, you know, if you're sitting around and you can't handle your family (laughs) around the holidays or you need a break and you can't get enough fishing news, you know, check in. We're going to have stuff up every day. And uh, I think we got some, I think there's some pretty cool articles set to roll. Maybe a video
0: or two? I, w- I would say so. And I'd say it's also a good time to, if you want to go and uh, maybe rewatch whole seasons of Circuit Breaker, rewatch whole seasons of FLW Tour tournaments, mm-hmm. uh, hitting up the YouTube page, not a bad place to be uh, ah, as far as killing cool time when there's not football or basketball on um or i guess hockey some people watch that
2: oh sure hockey yeah
0: you know eh oh sure eh (laughs) (laughs) um but that said guys thanks for sticking around uh for this year we'll be back next year we're taking a pretty long break but we'll be back in the new year uh you can follow flw on uh, facebook on twitter on instagram on youtube flwoutdoors.com is a place to be for uh your news and tips needs um and i think that's pretty much it uh kyle yeah i tell you what merry christmas man i hope you have a very happy break and, hey same uh, to you jody man thank you and to all our listeners thanks for being around uh happy holidays merry christmas uh happy new year and stay safe out there and i hope your travels and seeing family all goes spectacularly well thanks for listening we'll, t- we'll talk to you in 2015